It's time for the top four at four with Levac and Gaz. Brought to you by our friends at Mohawk Honda. Mohawk Honda, where they go out of their way to please you. Brady Farkas, here he is. Top four at four. Giving his opinions and more. We appreciate Brady. Shed High School Zone back again in the Capital Region helping us out. All right, Brady, let's dive into it. Story number four. We've got the amount of games that Yankee pitcher Domingo Herman has been suspended. That number's 10. 10 games for Domingo Herman. I was hoping for a stupidity suspension. Peter on Twitter liked that idea. He wanted more games for Herman just being dumb and knowing that, hey, uh, maybe people are going to be looking at us this week. I want to get Peter's tweet before I let you answer because I want you to hear Peter wrote in. I'd like a stupidity suspension, but it has to work like this. Base suspension for sticky stuff, 10 games, and everyone else who gets caught in a season, they get one game added to the suspension. So 10th guy suspended 10 games, added the original 10. Maybe they'll learn. So the dumber you are, the bigger suspension. Part one, do you like a stupidity suspension? And part two, does 10 games make sense here for Herman? Well, 10 games is the rule, so it's not about whether it makes sense because 10 games is the rule. It is the collectively bargained rule. It could be so, a dumb rule. You could change it right now as the commissioner of baseball. 10 games is 10 games. All this right, is not fine. like, okay, we threw at a guy, and this guy gets one game, and that guy gets seven games, okay? Like, this, the rule is the rule, so it's not about that. Uh, yeah, I think it's fine because it's a pitcher that's going to miss you two starts, right? Like, that's the equivalent of a guy missing two starts. The thing that I don't love is that if a guy has sticky stuff, you can't replace him on the roster. Now, I get why, but, you know, because you want to make this suspension hurt as opposed to then, you know, you just you have everybody cheat and say, yeah, well, we were going to send him down anyways. So I, I do get it, but it's going to hurt the Yankees to not be able to, to, to replace him for 10 days. Now, they're going to get Severino back this weekend, so their rotation should conceivably be better by having uh, having Severino there instead of Herman. But, yes, 10 games is fair. Two Two starts, don't be a knucklehead. 15. And by the way, yeah. Herman, Herman is like the last person that should be doing stuff like this. You've already got an 80-plus game suspension for domestic violence on your uh, on your baseball resume. So I already don't like you because of that. You're all you're under the microscope for the rest of your career. You, of all people, should not be doing this junk. That's the second part of that stupidity suspension because of what happened before. You know, we're having fun about this stupidity suspension because of how people were already going to be zoomed in the first suspension doing it at all you should get suspended for a serious amount of games to do it in front of an mlb executive to ever do it is dumb but to do that man domingo herman just constantly he can be really good but just dumb stuff like this man has hurt his career and it feels like yankee fans have gone through this before with other past pitchers too having this happen i would have liked to actually see it a little bit heavier with 15 games uh, let's move into story number three here. More about the Major League Baseball schedule coming up tonight. We've got a bunch of teams having some afternoon action and some night games as well. The Dodgers and Cardinals 745 first pitch tonight. Yankees and Blue Jays continue their series at 707. White Sox and Guardians, and we've seen some afternoon action today involved with the Angels and O's, Rays, Mets, Marlins, and Nationals. Uh, first, let's start with the Yankees here. And I do want to get to a Red Sox story here as well, even though the Red Sox are off tonight. Nestor Cortez on the mound tonight for the Yankees. The Yankees overall, when you evaluate this AL East and you evaluate Nestor Cortez, you know, LeVac and other Yankee fans are looking to make a move if they can, potentially change something. To me, it seems like the talent and the roster is still be- built to be the team in the East, even though Tampa's there. 
When you start evaluating the AL East, how do you rank it? Let's do a Brady Farkas power rankings now. One to five. And where do the Yankees fall? I think Toronto is the team that I fear the most in the division. I think Tampa is right now the best team in the division. So I'll say Toronto one, Tampa two, Baltimore three, the Yankees four, and the Red Sox five. Now, the division is the best division in baseball. Um, each of those teams has their own various level of concern, right? The Orioles do not have enough starting pitching, so I don't know if they're going to be able to hit themselves, you know, to finishing in second or third place. And I don't know if they're going to be able to hit themselves to the playoffs. You know, Kyle Gibson and Cole Irvin helping lead that rotation. I'm not – so Baltimore's pitching at the rotation level isn't very good. They've got to do something there. Red Sox have warts. Yankees just have too much, too many injuries. They're, they, they are built – to be the best team in that division. But look at the injuries, man. Right, like in the bullpen, Canely hasn't pitched yet. And Trevino is out for the season. And then you go and look at uh, the rotation. Nothing out of Montas, who might be out the whole year. Rodon, we haven't seen yet. He's six weeks away at this point from being major league ready. Now you've got Herman Severino, you haven't seen all year. Stanton's been out. Donaldson's been out. Bader's been out, you know, at the early part of the year. So there's a lot of stuff going on with the Yankees that have that have impacted their ability to climb the standings. The fact that they're this good, despite all that, is a testament to how good guys like Judge are and LeMahieu and how valuable he is. And, um, you know, the, the rotation has done a good job. As for Cortez, I mean, I worry that he's going to turn into a pumpkin. It doesn't mean he's going to be the guy who was getting DFA'd left and right at the beginning of his career, but I don't think he's the guy with a mid-two ERA and an all-star that we saw last year. So I think regression from him that has happened had to have been expected. They need Severino to come in and be really good. And and that's kind of where I'm at because Cortez is not going to be the guy he was last year. Severino has to come in and be the multi-time all-star selection that he is from this point forward. If they can get 130 really good innings out of him, you'll feel a lot better about the team. We know Cole is great. We know that uh, some of the back-end bullpen pieces are good, and we know how good Judge is. But the injuries have really taken their toll on this team. Is it odd that when you said Pitcher in pumpkin, I thought about Bartolo Colon. Um, yes, it's a little odd. Is it? Odd, I mean, yes. I just, I mean, I kind of, I kind of, I mean, I get it. He kind of looks like a pumpkin. I understand. Like, he, looks that, like, he looks like a pumpkin. He looks like Harpo Marx. That's what he looks like. Wasn't Gus Gus in that same movie? Is Gus Gus in Cinderella? Gus Gus? I think Gus Gus is like the portly mouse that's also bopping around in Cinderella. I don't watch. I haven't. I. I haven't watched Cinderella in a very, very long time, so I couldn't tell you. I can tell you yeah. that – do you have YouTube TV, guys? Uh, I don't. Well, I can tell you that I missed the last four minutes of the Celtics game last night because YouTube TV decided to freeze and keep showing Little Mermaid previews for uh, for uh, like 35 minutes, so we all missed the last four minutes of the Celtics game. Oh, I'm glad you phrased that at the end with you because we all – and that was a hot discussion – I thought Twitter was going to burn last night. People were violent on Twitter, especially when YouTube TV crashed last night. Not happy it's people. Bad news for the NFL, who's moved Sunday ticket over there. So you don't want that. You don't want that to happen come uh, come September. I know the Red Sox are off. I did want to get to this story, and I got to give you credit because you called this earlier in the week. Pavetta going to the bullpen. Did you not call that earlier in the week? The Red Sox have announced that Pavetta's heading to the pen. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, you could see that from a mile away. The performance dictates it, 6.3 ERA. I know his ERA is actually technically worse than, uh, uh, slightly better than Kluber's at this point, but Kluber's not going to the uh, to the pen. Pavetta, 
the performance dictated it. He's also got stuff for the bullpen. I know that he wants to start, and I feel bad and sympathize for him in that, but he throws 94-95. He's going to throw 96-97 over an inning or two. He's got a devastating curveball when it's on. So a two-pitch pitcher going to the pen makes a lot of sense, and he did it well in 2021 in the playoff run. So it's not great for Pavetta and the ego in the future contract. It is good for the Red Sox. Let's move on to story number two. Reports still circulating today that Antonio Brown, the former all-pro wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now, well, Will Fraser says, majority owner of the Albany Empire, may be taking the field as a member of the Albany Empire when the team returns home on May 27th. Brady, you are a Capital Region former resident. You visit the Capital Region, but for somebody who may not be following this as much and may have some questions and hearing this from outside the Empire State, what do you make of this story involving Antonio Brown potentially playing in your hometown? I feel bad that I'm doing this with LeVac not here. How does LeVac talk about the Empire these days? Well, if you missed LeVac's talk about the Empire, you can go back and listen on demand okay. on <laughs> yeah. Apple and Spotify where you can listen to LeVac and Goss show. He opened the show talking about that today. Uh, he had mentioned as a joke that Antonio Brown might come back and play when he was initially signed or he signed on as the owner, but there were going to be some hoops he had to jump through because of legal stuff. And if you're an owner and all that stuff that I really don't know the details of, because I'm sure it depends on the league, but it wasn't as easy as just grab a helmet and shoulder pads and run on the field. So it doesn't surprise me, I guess. I, I guess it doesn't surprise me because Antonio Brown has been a drama filled circus everywhere that he's been right does like whether he was in pittsburgh we're talking about facebook living uh mike tomlin whether he's in new england with far more serious things about sexual assault allegations against him whether it's in tampa and the way he walked off the field against the jets things he said about tom brady legal issues it doesn't matter wherever antonio is brown has been there has been drama that has followed so nothing drama related around antonio brown surprises me at all um and also, from what I hear, the team isn't drawing very well. Like, it used to be an entertainment district down there, and the Empire Games used to look like the NCAA tournament looked in Albany, where there's, you know, games and a, and, and a, a, a bouncy bounce and all this kind of fun stuff for kids. And I, as far as I understand, that stuff's not there anymore. So they're not playing well. They're not drawing well. And the community um, outreach isn't what, what it once was. So it doesn't surprise me as a publicity stunt. Um so I, I guess it kind of just follows the script that I've seen from Antonio Brown my whole life. So May 27th, if my calendar still serves correct, is Memorial Day weekend. Who knows? Maybe Brady Farkas will be in town. Maybe he won't be. But if it, you know, it doesn't even matter if it's 33, 34 years old, 23, 24, 14. It doesn't matter. If you heard Antonio Brown was playing in Albany, would you buy a ticket to the game? Why or why not? No. I wouldn't I wouldn't buy a ticket given given what we know has transpired, right? Like given the alienation of some of the key figures in the organization, given the dissatisfaction. I read the story in the Times Union that came out the other day about the couple from Saratoga. So because there's that stuff attached, then no, then I'm not really interested in supporting it. If it had been like hey, this guy's been a great community steward and a great ambassador for the team and has fostered relationships and wanted to come out, well, then, yeah, I would go out and support that, and it would be a cool novelty. But when it seems like a last-ditch effort to, um, 
you know, to, to save the organization, no, I'm not interested in supporting that. I don't know if today's the day I want to do the poll on this. I think I'm going to lean towards next week on it, where people's plans may change and Memorial Day may change and weather might play effect. There's so many still variables left in this. I'm fascinated what the number is. Is it as high as 75% as yes? Is it 75% no? I'm curious, Capital Region sports fan, the voice of the Capital Region sports fans right here, Fox Sports 95.9 and 980, what that percentage will be of people who are interested in now seeing the game with Antonio Brown potentially on the field. And story number one involves the NBA playoffs. The Celtics fall to the Miami Heat. Nuggets and Lakers get ready for game two. Brady, you know how I like to do this. I like to spread out a little bit when we talk about the number one story of the day. We need a little bit more time to do this, so I'm bringing you back for another segment. Stay on the line with me. We're going to talk Nuggets and Lakers and Heat and Celtics, and especially leading off with Boston. How in the world they blew game one. We'll get to all that coming up. Brady Farkas joining us here. Slovak guys, Fox Sports 95, 9 and 980. Brady Farkas hanging around with us here for segment number two. And we told you we're going to dive deeper into that Boston Celtic Miami Heat game one Eastern Conference Finals matchup. Brady, you've seen a lot of Celtic games, maybe all of them this season. It felt like, hey, this is Boston's game. You're the better team. Everything we sort of previewed yesterday, but it's now the Celtics trailing 1 0 in this series. What happened to Boston? So frustrating. Because, as I told you yesterday, the Celtics cannot be beaten in this series on talent. The only thing that can beat them is lack of effort. And that is exactly what we saw happen in the third quarter. It is exactly what we have seen happen many, many times this season. It's what we've seen happen in the playoffs. We always talk about teams turning the switch on and off. Well, usually the teams turn the switch on come playoff time. The Celtics find a way to turn the switch off, even in the playoffs, which is so unbelievably frustrating. They won three quarters outright. They dominated in those three quarters, and then they gave up 46 points in the third coming out of halftime. I mean, it's unacceptable. We see it all too often from this team where they dominate a game, but one quarter or one stretch does them in. It's the same thing that happened last night. The Miami Heat are not better than the Boston Celtics. But the Miami Heat try harder consistently and don't get too high or too low. And the Celtics appear to get too high and too low all too often. Jalen Brown says we came out of halftime, you know, when we were too cool. How does that happen in the Eastern Conference Finals? How does that happen when you've done it in the previous series? How does it happen when you blew game five against Atlanta at home and allowed Trey Young to dominate on your home floor? This happens to the Celtics all like they know. This is part of their MO, and they still find a way to do it. It's just, it's it's vexing. It's unacceptable. When it comes out of the first half and you see the adjustments or lack thereof or the lack of intensity in the third quarter, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, whether it's a fighter coming out of the corner in between rounds, that's when the most coaching should happen. Look, when you're setting up a game plan, you've done your scouting report, hey, this is where the coach can help us. The variables of the game take off after that. you got to adjust on the fly, and as things happen, things happen. But those small windows, post-break, we'll call it, that's got to be where coaching takes over. And we pinpointed this yesterday. We said, how much, if at all, will Eric Spolstra's top-tier coaching affect this series? Brady, for me, that's the first example of how do you come out flat in the second half how can Eric Spolster, with a less talented team, take that quick of an advantage and not make mistakes like that? And that's from the start of the game on, where Miami just hung around, 
played their style, made sure Boston might take their foot off the gas, and they immediately pounced. Miami's been doing that the past two series. They've been an underdog, and they struck again in game one because of it. I'm not giving Spolstra all the credit for this, and I'm not giving Joe Missoula all the blame for this. We always say it all the time. The NBA is a player's league. More so than anything else, the NBA is a player's league, and this, to me, all around is on the players. The Miami Heat have taken on the identity of their best player in Jimmy Butler, right? They are, they have a killer instinct. They don't get too high. They don't get too low. They always bring it. They are relentless, whether they are winning, whether they are losing, they are always relentless, right? If they're, if they're down, they keep coming. And if they're up, they keep extending. That is a reflection to me of their best player. The Boston Celtics, I'm not going to say it's all Jason Tatum because that's not fair, but the Boston Celtics come out. This this is a veteran team. This is a team that's been to the Eastern Conference Finals now four times in seven years that got to the NBA Finals last year that remembers the sting of losing the NBA Finals on their home court. They should know better. Okay, Al Horford's a 10-year veteran. Malcolm Brogdon is a guy who had started every game of his career up until this season. Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart. Smart's been to four Eastern Conference Finals himself now. Brown's been to a bunch. Tatum's been to a bunch. These guys should not need the coach at halftime to motivate them like they're playing for their nine-year-old AAU team. I am putting this on the players. The players are the ones who, who, who turn it on when they want and turn it off when they want, and they turn it off far too often. I, I think this is a player's a player's success for Miami and a player's failure for the Celtics. What the coach is saying, they can't teach height and they can't teach effort. They can try to get effort out of you as that nine-year-old AAU example is very true. You can find ways to motivate, but it's hard to coach height because it can't happen and it's hard to coach effort. So with all that being said, when we preview game two of this series, if it comes down to effort, if it comes down to who wants it more, something has to change quickly and for Boston, it may not be a lineup adjustment. It may not be guys getting different minutes. Is do they understand the pressure they're under? You would hope that game two would be all about Boston and not wanting to trail 0-2 heading to South Beach for game three. Oh, I mean, they, they, they'll recognize it because they've been it before or they've been there before and they're there repeatedly. They're 8-10 and 10 in their last 18 home playoff games. They lose at home. They lose game one. And they do it all the time. And so on one hand, hey, we've seen this before. They have the ability to come back, and they've shown us that, and you shouldn't count them out, and that's great. On the other hand, you wonder, how does this keep happening? How is the same problem still a problem? And how is this a problem all the time? And it doesn't really matter who the coach is. Brad Stevens, Ime Udoka, uh, uh, Joe Missoula now, they're pulling the same stuff they've been pulling here you know, for the last couple of years. So... I think the Celtics will win game two. And if I'm Miami, I wouldn't care because I've already stolen home court. And that's what you aim to do. You aim to win one of these two games. And whether they get beat by 37 or two, it doesn't really matter. I think the Celtics will win and we'll go back to South Beach 1-1. And the Celtics just have a history of making things far harder than they need to. And they've done that again here. That's remarkable when you think about that, too. For those who don't follow the Celtics as closely as you do, that You just ripped off three different coaches in those four times they've reached the conference finals. And Brad Stevens wasn't fired. He left on his own. Ime Udoku is still one of the great mysteries, truly. Like, it's a mystery. What are we, 18 months, 24? Do we even know the details of exactly what happened? We know what likely happened. 
But the details of a Boston Celtics coach being fired, stepping aside, whatever words we end up using with that, remarkable. And now Joe Mazzulla, like, I don't even know if I know how good of a coach he is. I know I don't want to keep doing that storyline, but just, again, I'm glad you offered that perspective because a lot of changes usually happen to teams that stink, not teams that are good. And Boston's had those changes happen. Here's the other thing. I don't really want to blame Joe Mazzulla much because, like, people are like, oh, Joe Mazzulla's in over his head. Well, yeah, Joe Mazzulla didn't ask for this. Right. He didn't ask for two weeks before training camp for the head coach to be suspended and for like Joe Mazzulla's never been a first. He's never been a a first chair assistant coach before. Of course, he's a little over his head. He didn't ask for this. He didn't. He didn't apply for a job he had no business getting. He got a job handed to him in a situation that that of course he wasn't ready for. Two, I mean, it's not eighteen or twenty four months, guys. It's like eight months at this point or ten months. But like last September, two weeks before training camp opens, this all comes out, That's and right. Joe Missoula gets the job. Like th- this is, and then Damon Stoudemire, who's his top assistant, leaves midway through the year or in March or whatever, and takes the job at Georgia Tech. So now. You're out. You're you're underprepared as a head coach, and you've lost your top assistant, who's a several time, you know, a long time NBA veteran. So, yeah, I, I can't blame this on Joe Mazzulla. If people think he's over his head, yeah, he probably is, and that's where the players have to step up and take some ownership here. And I mean, Joe Mazzulla is barely older than us, guys. He's 34 years old. I remember right. him, Brady. I remember him as a player, and I keep thinking, like, even when they cut to the sidelines, I'm like, Joe Mazzulla. Wait a second. Wait. A second. The, the guy from West Virginia, right? Like, is that same guy? All right. I call Joe. I call Joe Missoula, uh the brother of Justin Missoula, who is a UVM basketball starter for the last two years. <laughs> Very good stuff there. Brady Farkas joining us here talking some NBA playoffs. We're recapping game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Now we're going to look forward to game two tonight. Nuggets Lakers. Nuggets one zero advantage in this series. Nikola Jokic and the performance he put on in game one. Truly like something we've not seen, as some have said, in the history of the NBA playoffs. Now we get ready for game two tonight. 8.30 tip-off set for this one out in Denver. Brady, when I'm looking at this game two matchup, I just keep going back to Jokic, obviously the MVP of the past and more. But my storyline that keeps popping in my head is like, he just because he can't do that again makes me lean towards L.A. in this one, where it's, hey, that's about as great as Denver can play and the Lakers kept it within six. If Denver falls back a little bit and doesn't drop 130-plus and doesn't have a game like that, L.A. can easily tie up the series if they get a good effort again from LeBron, Anthony Davis, and maybe a role player. Yeah, but you can't you can't use that argument, right? It's You're right. It's likely that Jokic won't be as good. It's also likely that Anthony Davis won't be as good. They're both going to regress, right? Jokic had 42, and Davis had 40. I mean, do you think either of them are going to do that? Okay, maybe 32 and 30, but then we're still at a Denver victory. <laughs> we're just 10 points fewer. So I don't think you can use that argument. I lean Denver again. I, I I think the Lakers will come out full of energy. I think they will come out with a hot start because I think they recognize the importance of playing well in the first half, and I think LeBron will have them ready to do that. I wouldn't be shocked if the Lakers come out and and win the first quarter by six or eight but I just think Denver's better, and I just think Denver will outlast you. I saw Colin Cowherd say yesterday that Nikola Jokic is the peanut butter in of the NBA. He's always good. He's always reliable. He's always there, and he's vastly underrated. And eventually, he's going to just he's going to get his and his team around him 
I think is too good. I think the Lakers are are in trouble tonight. I think Denver wins it. No, it won't be as high scoring. I do think Jokic won't get his as easily, but I also don't think Davis is going to get 40. So is it, if this game is played at 106 to 100 instead of, you know, 132 to 126, I still think Denver wins it. There's also a small part of me that wants to see Austin Reeves go for like 35. It's like the whole story of Austin Reeves cracks me up. Like the TikTok videos now that he grew up in a town with less than 2,000 people. He had to work. I never even heard of him until like January. Right. I thought he was a G League player they just needed for like a 10 day contract. Like, okay. Like the Lakers stink right now. They need to call somebody up to provide a spark to the team. They'll call up Austin Reeves. And now you see a guy like him getting 40 plus minutes a game in the Western Conference Finals. Like, Rui Hachimura, we know him. Like, he played at Gonzaga. He was fine. D'Angelo Russell, we know him. Top five pick in the NBA draft. There's something about the underdog feel of an Austin Reeves that if we're coming back on Friday and next week talking about, oh, yeah, that's the guy that's deciding who gets to the NBA Finals. It's laugh out loud funny to me, and I kind of want to see that happen tonight. If Austin Reeves can play 40 minutes a game in the Western Conference Finals, why can't Jimmer be in the league? That's what I want to (laughs) know. Wait a second. Wait a a second with the Jimmer take. You and I have done many a talk about Jimmer for debt. Isn't it over at this point for Jimmer? It's over. It's it's over, yes. But I'm just saying, like, if Austin Reeves can play 40 minutes a night, you're telling me Jimmer could never have been on a roster? Let me tell you real quick. I don't want to deviate. No, no, no. Let's do the Jimmer thing. Because some some people in the audience have not heard your Jimmer take, and I think it's worth repeating the pride of the Capital Region and his career he had. Yes. I'm sure people are tired even at home of talking about Jimmer, but let me just give you this. Jimmer is not in the league because Jimmer's not good enough to be in the league. Jimmer is not in the league or wasn't in the league because he fell victim to the Tim Tebow syndrome. And this is the syndrome where if you are not good enough to be a starter or be a team's best player, the coach and the organization do not want to deal with the cult following that you have. And it's that simple, right? Like, they don't want you to be a distraction. I will never forget, guys. I might have been doing the show with you. Jimmer got a 10-day contract from the Knicks and was at the end of the bench and scored like six points in 90 seconds at the end of the game. And Kurt Rambis got asked, why isn't Jimmer playing more? Why isn't Jimmer playing more? Coaches don't want that from their 12th guy. Like, Jimmer could have been in the league, but the Jimmer love was so insane it would have overwhelmed what the coach wanted. It's the same reason. Look, as bad as everybody thinks Tim Tebow was, Tim Tebow could have been a third-string quarterback. But nobody wanted to deal with the questioning that would have come for a third-string quarterback. It's the exact same reason now why Cam Newton doesn't have a job in the NFL. I did this with the Patriots. Why was Cam Newton not the backup to Mac Jones when he lost the job? Because the Patriots didn't want to deal with Cam's personality and Cam's specter hanging over everything. And the minute Mac throws an interception, why isn't Cam playing? Are you going to give Cam a shot? How does Cam look in practice? They don't want to deal with that stuff. So... That's what. That's why Jimmer never lasted in the league because his his personality and his following outweighed what his production would have been, and the coaches didn't want to deal with it. I'll give you, no, no, no. I'll give you the Cam one. I think the Cam one. I agree with you on Cam Newton. I think it's a little bit different than Jimmer and a little bit different than Tebow. I think the better comparison maybe for Jimmer is Jeremy Lin. Because the thing with Tebow, I totally get your point. Following constant media press, it doesn't make sense that he's on the field. I think history is going to remind us, because now Taysom Hill exists, that Tebow could have found a role in the NFL. Like, Tebow just said, I'm playing quarterback, that's it. There are other athletes that if they had the take Tebow had, that I'm only doing this or else, 
they would have been called selfish. They would have been called not a good teammate. They said, hey, he's not doing what it takes to win. Now, because Tebow's nice and has the following, like more athletes would have been criticized. We rarely hear those words associated with Tebow. And I get at the end, he did the tight end thing with Jacksonville and the baseball thing, but prime Tebow. The thing, but we have to remember that, right? Like that's a big part of the, the Tebow thing. Jeremy Lin, eventually, he had a nice career. Jimmer, some could argue he didn't play good enough defense. However, nobody in the NBA plays defense. So I'm not taking that one as a criticism. I always feel like Jimmer missed it. Like, if Jimmer Fredette, rather than being in his mid-30s, was right now in his late 20s, he would have a far better career because the game evolved. I think of him like Dwight Howard, you know? Like, you and I have had this Dwight Howard conversation before, and it's happening a little bit in the league now. If Dwight Howard had played in the 80s, he would have been talked about as one of the great centers of all time. He's likely going to be a Hall of Famer, but Dwight Howard's game doesn't fit the NBA in 2023. Jimmer Fredette would have killed it. If he was five years younger, he just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I, w- I would agree with that. I think that's fair. But even like look, the three point revolution has been going on for a decade. Jimmer is now like 34 at 29. The three point revolution was going on like Jimmer still could have been on a roster at 29. People just didn't want to deal again with the questions and with the comments. And they didn't want their 10th, 11th, 12th guy to overwhelm the rest of the organization. And that's what would have happened. That's why Rambis hated having him around back with the Knicks a decade ago, because and it's, it's, it's absolutely what is happening to cam. Like if cam were in the NFL, if cam were Patrick Mahomes backup, it wouldn't happen. Right. So, because cam's not going to overwhelm Mahomes, and no one's going to question Mahomes' spot on the roster. But as far as cam going to be a backup for some rookie or cam going to be a backup for some guy that's not as good, Nobody wants to deal with like, man, Brock Purdy just threw a pick. You got Cam back here. He's a former MVP. Kyle Shanahan, when are you going to play Cam? Like no one wants to deal with that. So that Cam's getting railroaded by his own fame. One other thing on Cam Newton, then I got to let you go because I've kept you long today. Do you think Cam Newton would be amazing as an analyst? Like an in-studio analyst? Because I, I think Cam Newton's NFL career is done and there's some rumblings. Maybe he'll try to do some other professional leagues or something. I feel like he would be fantastic on television. Well-dressed, well-smoken, unique voice, sees the game as a quarterback. If he wants to do it, Cam Newton's future in television could be 10 to 15 years. Maybe I'm in the minority on this. What's your take on Cam Newton eventually entering the television sports landscape? Hmm. Maybe you haven't thought about it yet, yeah. Well, I saw, uh, you know, the, the Barrett sports media crew, the sports media watchdogs wrote that Cam should be a TV analyst years ago. Um, I think Cam would do really well in a collegiate setting. I'm not saying he wouldn't do well in an NFL setting. I just think Cam is so fun and so revered in the South, like SEC network, ACC network, bring Cam out to the tailgates, you know, when, when, whenever these networks are there doing live coverage, of, of college games. I feel like cam would be great because he's so fun around a youthful audience. I don't, I think cam is too fun for a stuffy studio setting. If that makes sense. It does. And actually I saw this on Twitter the yesterday that I retweeted it. One of the most remarkable stats about college football over the last, maybe in the history of college football, that that 2010 national championship, Auburn team, only one player had a pass attempt reception start on offensive line Nobody got to the NFL on that team except Cam Newton in the SEC in Auburn. It's remarkable. Brady Farkas, 
We're back tomorrow, Friday. We're going to close out the week strong. This is a strong way to close out a Thursday with you, but we got the play of the day coming up. Brady, appreciate you as always, man. No doubt. See you tomorrow. Yep. Brady's here hanging with us. Before we get to the play of the day, we want to tell you about our friends over at Mohawk Honda. Certified pre-owned vehicles are there right now in Glenville, New York. It is Mohawk Honda. Appreciate all the love we've been getting from people on social media and more about Mohawk Honda. Again, one more shout out to our girl, Lydia in East Greenbush, a minivan owner now. Thanks to Mohawk Honda. We appreciate her giving LeVan guys love. So whatever it is, whether it's this weekend, you've got Memorial Day plans on the way, stop over to Glenville and say, hey, uh, I heard about LeVan and Goss are talking about you guys. Goss has got the pilot. Which, by the way, now reminds me, was my wife supposed to swap vehicles today because I have the car seats? She's back after baby leave now. Is my car out there? Anyways, I love my pilots. The best vehicle I had. Appreciate everyone over there. Cam McKenna who I worked with. But whoever it is, from Greg Johnson, Cam McKenna, Brian McKenna, Lindsay Harrington, anybody over there can help you find the deal you're looking for. Nick and Nate and social, John and service. I can run through everybody's name like I'm a teacher going back to school. You stop in and find out for yourself. People you can trust during the car buying experience. We're going to be there May 30th. So if you need to mark something on your calendar right now, you want to make an appointment, come hang with us in the waiting area. You can have live Levagas right in front of you as you get a new ride. It's Mohawk Honda, and they always go out of their way to please you. couple things to note here coming up as we get closer and closer to Cavino and Rich coming up. Some exciting stuff on the way this weekend. And you know what? It's already getting underway right now out in Rochester. That is the second major, the PGA Championship going on. I'm actually going to be going out there on Sunday as a fan Media member, don't need a pass for this one. Shout out to my dad, my buddies, shout out to Camps and everybody. We're going on as fans to check out the PGA Championship. Should be a really fun event. If you are heading to the PGA out in Rochester, Oak Hill, shoot me a message. Maybe we'll meet up. Bryson DeChambeau leading right now the PGA Championship. He is four under. Scotty Scheffler tied for second. He's up there on the leaderboard. No Tiger Woods. If you're looking for Tiger Watch, Tiger not competing this year. So still a lot of golf left to be played. Some guys still got some stuff going on as well. Remember last year's winner, Justin Thomas. So right now, Bryson DeChambeau, four under. His first round is done. Wild start to this one too. Remember they had a frost delay out in Western New York to start this thing off? Keep an eye on the PGA Championship. And I will, as of now, continue and I'll do this probably till Sunday, too. Ask that if you do go to Oak Hill, if you want to yell out LeVac and Goss and share it with us, I'll be very happy. Maybe I'll buy you a beer out in Rochester. Go LeVac and Goss, see if we can get some television screen time and more for that. Uh, NBA playoffs tonight. This is going to lead to our play of the day. If you've been keeping track, NBA has been my best sport so far. We appreciate our friends over at Mohawk Chevrolet for being a part of this every single day. We're trying to help you Invest. Remember, that is the key word we're talking here. It's not gambling. It's not wagering. It is investing in sports. We help you invest in sports. Lakers, Nuggets. I felt so good. I'm going back to the well here. And usually when you go back to the well, that means something good happened. So you're going back. But I did not hit the under in the last game. I didn't expect Jokic to have the game that he did. Guy was at a triple-double in the first half. What was the stat that he's the first player in 25 years in the playoffs to go with 10 points, five assists, and two blocks? It's insane. Now, with as well as Jokic played, and the Nuggets having their second home game here, obviously game one and game two of the series, and they can get up two games to none. And I took Denver 
to win this series in five. Now, this is the classic hedge, you would say here, guys. No, no, no. My job is to give you investments to win on. The Nuggets win tonight. The Nuggets win this game, but this is going to be a classic again. Game one was awesome with the Lakers making that big-time comeback. I felt as if earlier in the show the Lakers could win this one outright. But now I feel more confident that they can win game three and the series shifts back to California. So I, I won't give the Lakers the win tonight, but they can cover the five and a half. So Lakers lose on like a heartbreaking shot. Maybe a Jamal Murdy three with under a minute to go. Maybe Jokic puts one in over Davis with like seven to go, seven seconds to go. And Dender squeaks out a two-point victory. A Murray three, a three-point victory. I could see this like a buzzer-beater ending game with Denver squeaking out the victory. Lakers cover the five and a half. Denver wins this, has a 2-0 lead as they shift back to California for game three of that series coming up. Also, if you need some programming things to watch tonight, there's a Capital Region connection to VH1 tonight. Not ESPN, not Fox Sports, not NBC. VH1 tonight. If you're a fan of the show Wild and Out with Nick Cannon from the past, that airs at 9 o'clock tonight, and there will be an Albany connection as Albany Empire owner Antonio Brown will be appearing on the show. That's right. Maybe you're not familiar with the show Wild and Out. It's sort of like sketch comedy, sort of like Saturday Night Live meets in living color meets Mad TV. But basically what Wild Out has turned into over the past, oh God, how long has the show been on the air? 10 years? All it's basically turned into is freestyle raps. Wild style. So Antonio Brown, we know that he has a musical background. That's Yeah, that's the way I'll describe it. Uh, He is pursuing a rap career, and it seems as if he will be showcasing his skills tonight in the wild style freestyle. So tune in tonight, VH1, to see your Albany Empire owner participating in that. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we've got the return of Michael Tricarico. You might know that name. Maybe you don't. Michael Tricarico was the broadcaster for the Syracuse Mets. We've got the Syracuse Mets having some prospects that are now New York Mets as the Mets have called out multiple players from the AAA level to come up and play for the Major League squad. The Mets have been struggling to find some power in the lineup. Vientos is going to the majors. What type of impact can he have for New York? Could he be the spark that Yankee fans saw in the past with players like Judge and Sanchez and it feels like forever ago Clinton Frazier? Could some of these young prospects in the Mets system change the season and get the New York Metropolitans back in contention? By the way, that game last night, you know, I'm teasing Tricarico tomorrow. Maybe I didn't give enough love today to the Mets. How about the victory last night for New York, huh? Coming back, two wins against the Tampa Bay Rays. That was great stuff. Pete Alonso and company helping get some victories for the New York Metropolitans. Three two winners last night. A three run shot in the ninth, and Alonso come back in the tenth earlier this week. Those are some of the best victories of the seasons. Not the one most previous, 
most recent, I should say. But that 8-7 victory over Tampa in extra innings, I mean, that's the win of the season. Some people probably left that game early. So shout out to the Mets, man. Maybe the comeback's already starting for New York and Pete Alonso and everybody else. Alonso, I'm dissing the Mets lineup for not hitting enough home runs. Maybe I forgot that Pete Alonso's leading the majors in home runs with 15. So there you go, New York Mets fans. There's the love I probably should have showed you earlier in the show. You guys are killing it right now. And we'll see if Michael Tricarico sees some more success coming the way of the New York Mets for the rest of the spring and the summer. Also tomorrow, we're going to be talking Preakness. How about Brian the Closer Mariano making his Fox Sports 95-9-980 debut? I like saying Maggie. Mage? Mag? Maggie? I want to play that clip real quick, but uh, he will preview this year's Preakness with us. That field is looking a little rough. Is it going to be a blowout? Are you going to hear reactions like this from me again? Maggie, 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 Maggie. Oh, my God. Oh, that clip gets worse and worse every time. We'll find out how to handicap this year's race, how we can make some money as well. All those things coming up on tomorrow's show. Don't forget, you can stay connected with Fox Sports 95.9 and 980 on Facebook, Twitter, and more. Catch you tomorrow. Now, don't forget, Covino and Rich. We got two full hours of Covino and Rich coming up. Covino and Rich is taking to 7 o'clock. So, no Red Sox tonight. So, Covino and Rich till 7. The odd couple, which we don't hear as much here in the spring and the summer. Chris Broussard and Rob Parker are going to take you to 7 to 10 tonight. Jason Smith for the nightcap. Uh, Brian, no. I'm going to stay up late tonight, that 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. shift. Ben Muller's show, he's not on tonight, so Brian No from the Capital Region is going to do a little fill-in action tonight. So a little different lineup here on Fox Sports. We hope that you can enjoy all that stuff coming up tonight. We'll catch you tomorrow, 3 to 5. It's the Levac and Gaz, Fox Sports 95, 9, and 980.